0: My purpose is to leave behind the right foundation, or at least be a part of the puzzle piece for the right foundation for the Black community to grow and prosper. Ah.
1: So today we have Ryan Knight, founder and owner of Detailing Knights, and co-founder and owner of uh, ACBN, also known as the African Caribbean Business Network. Um, I've known Ryan for pr- quite a long time now, and he's been a long-time business owner, especially in the Peel region. Um, and you know, I like to call Ryan the master connector. He has he has a connection for everything you need and. Mm-hmm. Um, if he doesn't know the answer to to what you ask, he he definitely knows someone who knows the answer. So uh Ryan, thanks for coming on the show today.
0: Yeah, hey, thanks. I might have to put that on my LinkedIn.
1: <laughs> <laughs> take it, man. No, take appreciate it. You have to take. All right, cool. Um, cool. so Ryan, first off, man, how how are you doing during these these times in, in, in COVID that we're we're dealing with right now? Um,
0: yeah, typically I usually don't have a lot of time to sit and think. So I'm realizing that my mind is quite clear and a lot of ideas are going through my head and some are big, crazy, some are small and you wonder how to connect things that can be done right now with things that have a long-term impact for the community. So I spend a lot of time talking to people and brainstorming what things might look like coming out of this. And especially right now, it's like, hey, maybe you are deemed unessential, and you—it's time to switch to something essential, so that you can come out of this stronger instead of coming out of this to just go through
1: bankruptcy proceedings. Got you, got you. And um, Ryan, just to take it back to your early beginnings, where were you? Where are you born and raised?
0: So, born in Toronto, was at St. Joseph's Hospital, and grew up. Uh, jane and finch in the Shoreham area and then keelan wilson before moving to brampton so moved to brampton when i was about seven and yeah lived here since so i'm 37 now so celebrating 30 year anniversary of living in brampton i actually just realized that Jeez. and yeah i feel like brampton is where i've dug in my roots I have an affinity for Brampton. You'll see it on my shirt. My I Love Brampton shirts, even when I'm downtown Toronto on Newstalk 1010, I'm wearing my Brampton shirt just so people realize that, hey, the love is real. It's not just about where I put my head, but I really do have an interest in seeing Brampton change change how it's perceived in the world, where the ninth largest city in North America. But if you ask people on the street, you wouldn't know that. So yeah, it's time for Brampton to actually step up and be
1: a legit world-class city. That's, that's some big facts right there. Brampton is it's like a, it's like a, a gem that's just waiting to burst um, if the right seeds are planted. I think definitely you're one of those people mm-hmm. who are planting the right seeds for sure.
2: Yeah, I so, appreciate
1: that. So, Ryan, just looking at your beginnings again, like where did mm. you get this this itch to dive into entrepreneurship? Where did that come from? Yeah, I
0: feel like it had always been there. And my I would credit my dad with planting the seed and always kind of nudging me, saying, like, hey, uh, you really if you want to control your you know, finances, if you ever want to become rich, you can't do it just working for somebody else. You should start your own business. And he had always wanted to like start a a business, but kind of got bogged down with responsibilities, i.e. me and the rest of the family. So got the traditional job and really got locked in. So he had always had that mindset about starting something from scratch, entrepreneurial. And when I was able to, I guess I would, I picked at it a bit and dabbed with it. I, I, There was a period after high school where I would call it my drifting years, too much playing video games and not really planting roots and having a foundation career-wise. I mean, I've worked at jobs ranging from a courier to a disc jockey to like a jazz FM producer. And up until about 2000, oh my gosh, when was it? 2009, Yeah when I was working at a job and thought that I was progressing well with the company and getting laid off and realizing that having a stable job isn't the security that it's cracked up to be. And really that economic turn around 2008, 2009, nobody was really safe. So that brought me back to where my dad was saying, like, hey, if you wanna control your destiny, you should start your own business. And even if it's small, And I felt like getting laid off was the time that I could really regroup. And it was actually two weeks before my wedding. So the timing wasn't ideal, but it did force me into action. And I said, okay, my brother used to love cleaning cars. He was working at a dealership doing that all day. And I took that time to go back to school and finish my accounting diploma. And I told him, hey, I believe I can market your detailing ability. And from that is where Detailing Nights was born and really when it began to grow beyond us, then we realized that we really had something on our hands that we could do full time. So after I graduated from Sheridan, we went, we just dumped, jumped full board into it.
1: Yeah, that was, you led right into my next question um, in terms of like how you started Detailing Nights. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, was that, was that your first, first company?
0: No, I mean,
1: <laughs> uh, this is being right? of stuff. Try, <laughs> you try to number know, of stuff,
0: eh? Yeah, I mean, all like legal, illegal, and you realize <laughs> that the legal stuff allows you to sleep better at night. So taking all those skills, and maybe that's why I work a lot with youth that are in conflict with the law, youth that did slip up and ended up uh, in detention because I was very close to being like, every time I see a youth, especially when I go to uh, Rory McMurchie and I'm looking in their eyes, I I could almost see it in, um, like, uh, changing positions. Like, I could have been in there now listening to somebody coming in and talking. And that's where we were one of the first companies to create a program where we went into the jail to train and interview youth that were being ready for release so that we could help them, one, get employed, and two, learn entrepreneurship skills so that they could use the skills that they already have innately and apply it to something that really has unlimited potential and allows you to sleep well at night. So that was the big pivot with detailing nights when we were growing and it got bigger than my brother and I. We didn't just want it to grow and become a traditional company with you know, employees, and they're kind of just waiting for you to tell you what to do. And their whole livelihood depends on the corporation. We turned it into a way to train youth to actually run their own businesses. And through our youth entrepreneurship program, they then become, we call it be the boss, and they become business owners running a mini version of our company. And after that program, they can decide to hey take those skills to finish their schooling and a career path that they might want to choose. Or for me, I would love to see them continue with their entrepreneurship journey and really use those skills to start their own company and or their own ideas. And a lot of times you hear the statistics about businesses failing in those first five years. And it's like around 90%. But a lot of times it's that entrepreneur's first idea. And so you launch a business and you don't know what you're doing. You're really winging it. And yes, it's going to fail, but they don't have statistics about how many of those entrepreneurs on their second try, how successful were they? So my pitch, especially when I go to schools, is bring in my program, allow youth to or allow students to use my company as that first step into entrepreneurship, try it, fail, experiment. And then now you have those battle scars, you're battle tested, you have the experience now apply it to your business idea and I've, I've seen that they're a lot more successful than just going out there and starting something on their own.
1: That's an interesting perspective I never you always hear that stat you know what is it 90 percent 80 percent whatever it is businesses it. fail within the first year or so right but um, yeah that's a good point you never hear about that second uh, opportunity because I, I sort of went through that that phase I had my first business and then the second one that I kind of launched which is my my podcast right now and my investments that I do um, mm-hmm. it's more sound it's more solid um you know I've made a lot of the mistakes already so it's like you only get better from there right
0: yeah and that's a big thing where we're afraid to fail and I mean I've gone through bankruptcy and that time I thought was my lowest. you feel like such a failure a lot of my family Believed in what I was working on. And it was my wife that looked to me and said, like, what? Like, let's actually dissect what's happened. So the company now isn't making enough money to pay current expenses that are on the books. Okay, so we've gone through that bankruptcy. But everything that you've learned is still in your head. So when you're not starting from scratch, you're not starting from ground zero. You're actually starting from a somewhat of a foundation. And when you take that learning and apply it to the foundation to strengthen it, we got back to where we had fallen off revenue-wise within the first year after coming out of the bankruptcy. And now it's like the foundation is so much stronger because, man, the tears on my pillows will show you the learning that we've done or that I've done. And you up, you have to keep and it's like keep the stucco into the foundation and keep building that strong foundation and then you can grow to the next level. Because we grew too fast and the foundation was rocky, so it crumbled. And then you realize gotcha, why gotcha. did you know, like, why did you actually fall back down? And you plug those holes, you find the right mentors, you take the right courses. I went back to Sheridan and took some courses, and now I've considered myself a lifelong learner. Sheridan mm-hmm. can't get rid of me because <laughs> I know there's always going to be something that I need to learn to solidify that foundation and take the next step. And then when you're on the next pillar, you have to look like you're starting from square one. Every yeah. tier that you get to, you're the, the, you're the baby coming into that tier. So you have to humble yourself. You have to be open to learning. You have to be open to taking direction and navigating through that next tier. And then you get to a certain level in that tier and you have to get ready for the next one. And you realize a lot of people get too comfortable. They're like, "Oh, I've mastered making a hundred thousand a year, so they just stay there." And that really, to me, isn't about a lifelong learning approach because if you're learning for the rest of your life, there's no tier that you stop at. It just elevates and keeps growing, and now you're in position to bring people up to that level that you're at, and you've mastered. You can help them create that foundation for the level below and get up to the next
1: tier. As you're growing as well. Well said, man. Well said. So with with um, detailing nights, mm. how were you 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 were able to to secure a contract with with Zipcar? Am I not mistaken?
0: Yeah, that was what 2014.
1: Yeah, coming out of 2014, we long, we signed that contract with them. And how were you able to? I mean, because you were a, you're a much smaller company than than Zipcar. How were you able to <laughs> to 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 negotiate? You know, with a bigger company, how how did you go about doing that? Yeah,
0: and it's interesting because the difference in size of company, like you said, it's night and day. Like Zipcar had just been sold to Avis for, I think it was five hundred million. And DK's here making like 250000 And when they called, and this is what all entrepreneurs have to understand, when you're running your business, you have something of value that other people don't have. So never feel like just because Walmart calls you that you are of, you're not of worth. And that worth that you have, and I realized that we were able to execute something that they were struggling with. They needed their cars and they had about 500 cars in their fleet and they were looking for half the contract for both halves of the city, like half of Toronto. So half that contract was 250 cars, and they were looking at, I think it was three or four detailers to come on and take it over because they were finding that they couldn't handle the in-house hiring and training and just the maintenance of those vehicles because they had to be cleaned at least once every week. So even though... At the time, we didn't have, let's say, the exact number of staff to handle the contract. I was able to go in there and say, listen, if you guys work with me, I can execute this thing. And we were able to show them with what we had, how we would execute it. We created a whole back-end system to manage all the cars and the spreadsheets, and everything was built within a couple of days to present that following week. To show them that we can handle this contract and at the same time i'm looking for capital to get the equipment i'm interviewing people to hire them so all these things are working kind of parallel in getting the contract and we went up against the four companies and were able to secure that contract really by proving everything that we talked about so it's easy to get a call people want to hire you you can fluff and tell them anything but when it comes down to execution that was the only way that we were able to win that contract is showing them
1: that we could do what we said. So who did you reach out to? Like how did you reach like I'm sure did you talk to the, the CEO of Zipcar? Like how did you reach the contact person that you needed to talk to?
0: Yeah, and it was from an email. We emailed the operations managers of Zipcar, we emailed Autoshare, we emailed Car2Go, and at those initial times when we had reached out, we got like a thanks but no thanks email back. And when it came down to Zipcar now needing to find a person, we were in their database, so they called us, they had checked online for different companies as well, we popped up, so they actually reached out to us when they needed the service. So it was on myself to now always have that presence online looking professional. Because even if you're reaching out, people are gonna do research on you. And you have to return phone calls. That like those are the two things on that phone call that I remember him saying is when he went to research online went to research detailing companies online, we were the only one that had an up-to-date website. We were one of the few that actually Answered their call and returned their call. So, just those fundamental things, if he had called and I didn't answer or didn't get back to him, we would have lost that contract. And that contract was worth millions of dollars. So, just by being professional, having a good presence, and following through with your operations, that was the foundation of getting that contract. And then after that, you go into your pitch and your presentation and you execute. But being Like they talk about your reputation and your character. So you can't really control your reputation, but you can control your character. And it's out of your character that builds the reputation. And that's what people see and believe of you. And really in business, we call it your brand. So based on how strong your brand is, that's when a person is looking for the thing that you do, that's going to get them to actually call you and engage with you before you get a chance to even say one word to them you've already been selling to them because they're doing their research. They're seeing your colors. All these subconscious things are happening before you get any chance to talk to your potential client. So in a lot of times, Hey, there's great salespeople. There's great business, uh, business owners that I've talked with. And once you get on the phone with them, they can sell you on the products that they're, se- they're selling. But if I go to your website and like, there's no explainer video. There's no the information that I'm trying to look for. The colors are bad. You're never going to get me on the phone. So you've already lost before you even got to talk to anybody. So that was one thing. I remember him saying that on the phone that really stuck with me is they had seen how we represented ourselves online before I even got to talk to him.
1: So you're like, you always got to be, be ready for the opportunity always. Absolutely. And present yourself professionally.
0: Like everything that is happening without you there needs to be on point because mm. that's what is selling for you when you're not present. So, that's best, like, even though if you're great at selling, your presence, your reputation is already out there talking on your behalf. So, mm. if that isn't selling as well as you can, you're in trouble. Yes.
1: That's, uh, that's a gem right there. That's a gem. So Ryan, what what led you to start ACBN? How did you think about doing that? Where did that come from?
0: Yeah, because when students were graduating out of our youth entrepreneurship program, I realized that there weren't, well, especially in Peel, there wasn't a specific Black-owned business organization that these youth could go to to help them get to the next level and help them really grow their entrepreneurship journey. I mean, there's the Brampton Entrepreneur Center, uh, Sheridan's there, uh, the Mississauga has an entrepreneur Center as well, but they can't speak to our community the way that a Black-led organization could. And the same thing with how I interacted with these youth, I wanted to extend that to any company that they might do in the future. So that's where I reached out and, hey, six other entrepreneurs in the community uh, the African and Caribbean community came to the first meeting, which was a breakfast meeting. <laughs> There's no breakfast. And I, oh, it, they always bring it up and I always apologize, but the core of the meeting was around. Hold on,
1: Ryan. So you looped <laughs> them in for breakfast and there was no
0: breakfast? <laughs> the, see, and <laughs> this goes deeper too, because <laughs> we're at a Caribbean restaurant and they don't serve breakfast. And I was like, what are we doing right now? Like, <laughs> You have, like, we wanted to do meetings there on a regular basis, and we couldn't because they don't serve breakfast anyhow. So yes, we're at this meeting, and I'm talking about, can we, as the six, seven of us, create a resource for Black-owned businesses that we can work with them to figure out what stage they're at right now and then allow them to grow? And it really came out of, with Detailing Nights, we were looking to scale the company, Uh, Franchise it, expand into different parts of Canada and also into the U.S. and even to the Caribbean. And each of the regional, like GTA-wide, black-owned business organizations, really said that that's out of their scope. So just in in a selfish way, I wanted to figure out how do, what would I need to in the black community to help Detailing Nights get to the next level. And that was franchising and scaling and expansion. So we decided to build it ourselves. And so that's really where the Afro-Caribbean Business Network was born as a way to compile all the resources needed, one, to help more, um, more people in our community start businesses, because statistics show that business ownership is 12 times, it's a, it's 12 times faster to build wealth and to get out of poverty and to generate wealth. So business ownership is key. So we wanted to get more people to start businesses. And then once you started the business, to make sure that that business does not fail. And also when it does grow and you are able to create an asset that you can now leave to your family, because we found that a lot of business owners in our community would just live and die with the business. And they really had no succession planning. So we said, can we put this all into an entity? It became deemed the afro Caribbean Business Network, ACBN. And that's really what we strive to do is create those key partnerships and then really grow with the business and be there at each stage and make sure that as they're growing, they're thinking about legacy planning, they're thinking about scaling, they're thinking about duplicating that asset that they have in multiple regions. It just doesn't have to be one uh, patty shop on the corner. You can take those uh, operational foundations, document what's in your brain so that you can teach that to another person and actually sell it as a franchise. And when you teach a person, when you teach a business owner the difference between selling their goods and selling their brand and the fact that people will pay you money for your brand. That was a total shift for myself. Going out there now and not selling just me coming to clean your car, but I'm selling you a business in a box that I will train you to clean cars and you will pay me for using the brand and hiring your own staff and growing and making a livelihood for yourself. And I've just sold, like my intellectual property became capital. That shift, I feel like when more in our community realize how powerful that is, is going to be a total game changer.
1: Powerful stuff, man. Powerful stuff. So I know you've been doing a lot of, um, you know, COVID, COVID ain't slowing Ryan down. You've been, you've still been working <laughs> very, very hard with um, a lot of your meetings online. Um, mm-hmm. And there's probably a long list, but what are some of the supports that you can, you can mention that are available for small businesses and maybe people who are currently, um, who may have, you know, lost their jobs. What are some of the resources available right now?
0: Well, a big one is making sure not to miss out on the Canada emergency response benefit. So the CERB gets you $2,000 every four weeks, two disbursements have already happened. So if you haven't applied $4,000 is literally waiting to be deposited into your bank account within the next three business days. So not being on the fence to figure out do you qualify or not, because the main, the main reason that that was created is so that business owners as a person, like you, the money that you're drawing out of that business, the government wanted to support you. So it supports employees and business owners. And then now, so that's one support. And I'm like, make sure and apply for this. If your income has dropped, make sure and apply. But now they're rolling out the actual supports for businesses. And that's around the wage subsidy. There's two wage subsidies, actually. And also the interest-free loans. There was something else. Something else? No, I think it was those two things. But the wage subsidy is the big, one of the big factors that I'm trying, and actually our our webinar this week is going to be about don't miss out on the wage subsidy just because you are not registered with payroll. For a lot of our businesses, especially when we're sole proprietors, we typically don't put ourselves on payroll. And one of the key criteria for this 75% wage subsidy is for you to have payroll and show that your income is dropped. So let's say you pay yourself X amount, like $1,000. They'll pay 75%. So you can claim $750 every week to be running your business and trying to come out of this on top. So if you slow down and think about that for a minute, for the next, I think it's 12 to 15 weeks, you can get support from the government to be running your business, getting 75% of your income or your salary. And making sure and you know strategizing to figure out how to come out of this stronger. A lot of people have looked at the criteria, said, "Oh, I've been running my business. I'm not on payroll, so I don't qualify." When it takes 15 minutes to register payroll, put yourself on it. Whatever you paid yourself last year, that is your salary for the next uh, this year, 2020, and you can get the subsidy. So now. You really have no excuse to just pack it in. One, you've got $2,000 every four weeks to sustain your house. Now you can get 75% of your salary to solidify your business. So if you take advantage of those two things, you and you start trimming the fat. So realizing how to now step back, what things in your business are not essential. If you're getting the 75% and the 2,000, you're going to be able to cover your core costs. And really, you're not bogged down. So for myself, I'm not out there physically cleaning cars right now, but I am getting the income support. So I can take this time to really work on the business and create the strategy. With my business partner, we're brainstorming about how do we pivot to not just a car care for kind of vanity's sake, but a car care for... You're actually health safe and we can steam clean and disinfect vehicles. So when, you're, when you have to use your car, we can actually make it safe for you to use. And mm. what other countries need this? Because if right now we can be reaching out to the Trade Commissioner's Center, Trade Commissioner's Office, uh, Export Development of Canada, and saying this is how we can use our business model in other countries, they're going to help you actually expand and everybody that's shifted their business online you have now become a global company so make sure you talk to the entities in the Canadian government that can help you expand globally don't try and figure this all out on yourself by yourself so really taking this time to slow down like i said trim the fat apply for these uh, supports make sure that you qualify so if you're not on payroll and that's the quali- that's the qualifier figure out how to set it up and then start planning for the future. Do not sit back and just get your $2,000 and hope that they release the tensions by let's say June and everything's going to be back to normal. We really have to look deep at what you've been doing and where the world is going and how you're going to be a part of that
1: new landscape. For sure. So what's next for Ryan Knight?
0: <laughs> what is next? Oh, man. You know, I've even, man, my brain takes me in so many different places. And a lot of times you still come to the realization that you're playing small ball. Like, you're not, how do you actually have, I don't want to say global impact, but lasting impact? So within our community, what can I do? that would have a lasting impact? And how can you start it small? So really been doing a lot of research on like SUSUS and partners and how to curate that community dollar and use it in an effective way. And especially through ACBN, how do we accumulate enough capital to be giving out business loans that when it's repaid, it now becomes circulating income in our community. How do we bridge the gap between North America and Africa so that businesses here can tap into the countries in Africa and that market to actually scale faster and then be bringing that money into the community like there's so much there's such a big pool of capital in this world yet we feel in our community that we can only be playing in a small pond for example's sake yet if we're able to tap into the other pools of capital, and bring it back, and then we have figured out how to circulate that dollar properly, that's where you're going to see our impact really grow. And what does that look like? Man, who knows? But I feel like I do want to be a part of it. And right now, I mean, as ACBN, we're working to curate a lot of the Black business-focused organizations. Initially, it was called the Black Business Coalition but we're trying to figure out a way to turn it into a cooperative so that everybody has a voice and then using that cooperative to move as one unit. Because even as an association and the business network right now, we as an organization can't go out and get contracts for people. But if we're able to put together a cooperative, that cooperative can go out and sign bigger contracts. And then we have the people in the network to execute those contracts. So if there's 10 marketing agencies in the black community, we as a cooperative, we create that cluster. So black marketing agencies cooperative, we can now see uh, procurement through the city or through the federal or provincial government looking for consultants on their new whatever campaign that they're working on that they need marketing assistance for, get that contract and now disperse it to all those or, um figure out who in the cooperative wants to execute that contract. Right now, there is no entity that can can work on the behalf of the Black community in that capacity. And I feel like that is where, if we show that that works, that's something that we can now show our children to say, hey, we have figured out a way to cooperate and create social cohesion in the Black community. This is what you need to work towards. And so, if we create a credit union or a financial cooperative, we can be telling our children, "Go to school for finance, so you can work in this financial entity." And this entity becomes the like the pillar for the Black business community. And we do the same thing in other pillars and other um, clusters. So I always talk about economics and business development, justice and en- enforcement, education. Uh, Health and family. So, out of those five pillars, who can be the champion for each one and what foundational piece do we need in each one? So, off the top of my head, hey, a bank, a grocery store, our own law enforcement type entity, our own schools. Like, these are the things that if we had at least those things in each pillar, that's where we grow from. And I always talk about, I was talking earlier about the foundation. So, if a few of us get very successful and there's no foundation in the black community, it really just crumbles on itself where it really implodes and you create that friction. But if you create, if you create the proper foundation and let's say we have that bank that can now support the other four pillars, so we're not begging the government for grants to open our own school, the business community has enough capital to open the school. We're not begging schools to uh, incorporate Afrocentric learning, we are doing it on our own. You know, we're not begging schools not to suspend and arrest our children. We have our own entity that can be the bridge between parents and teachers so that Black boys aren't getting expelled and suspended and arrested. That entity can come in and be a voice for the parent. You know, because it's so difficult with parents having to go to schools, and that just kind of triggered me right now, because if we figure out a way to reduce the stress of parents and allow them to take care of the family and the community helps them take care of their child, I feel like that is another foundational piece. And that's not my strength right now. I mean, there's people, there's organizations that are doing a lot more work and great work in that space. But I feel like if I figure out this business piece, that foundational piece, we can then move to supporting that piece and the other ones that I had mentioned.
1: Fair enough, fair enough. Welcome to the Purpose Round, where we ask the right questions that really bring about the purpose behind our entrepreneurs, creatives, and their journeys. So, Ryan, we're just going to go through the Purpose Round here. And... Every single uh, question requires just a brief answer, like a sentence or two max. All right. (laughs) So what is your purpose?
0: Oh, boy. Uh, My purpose is to leave behind the right foundation or at least be a part of the puzzle piece for the right foundation for the Black community to grow and prosper.
1: What is an everyday habit that adds value to your purpose?
0: Uh I feel every day I am making new connections with either black entrepreneurs or black organizations so that is always feeding into my full
1: purpose. If you could have a conversation with one person living or dead who would it be and why?
0: I want to find out the full scope of the vision of Marcus Garvey. He was on the right path of really pulling together the black community around economics. And I would love to sit with him and figure out what that full vision was and his plan to execute it and then
1: get to work on it. What is your main strategy for organizing your day? <laughs> my virtual
0: assistant. I wake up and I look at my projects that I have on the go. She has helped to organize them all. And whatever tasks I need to complete, I work
1: on those and then I answer calls in between. What was your worst moment and what did you learn from it?
0: Boy, I would say the bankruptcy was one of the worst moments. And what I learned is that they can't take away what you've learned. Like your education is something that people can't take away from you. So if you are able to, figure out the, the procedure for executing things. Now that you have that procedure, you're able to document it and teach it. So really taking that bad experience and now I use it to teach because I've come from a place that I had to build it from scratch. So now being able to teach ways to build a strong
1: foundation was a big thing that I learned from that. If you had to build a business from the ground up with only a hundred dollars, how would you leverage that?
0: A hundred bucks. I think it would depend on what I'm selling because a lot of things can be done for free. So creating okay. a landing page, um, yeah, getting an intern, it's like a hundred bucks. What was the question, what would I do first?
1: Yeah, like what, if you had to build a business from the ground up from start, from scratch, and you only had $100, how would you leverage that $100?
0: Yeah, I would build a landing page, I would sit back and make sure that what I'm selling, I'm able to explain that, and then get assistance through a virtual assistant, possibly to help with driving traffic to that landing page. To pre-sell it. So similar to a Kickstarter. So selling the concept of it before building out the actual pieces and having to buy
1: things. Got you. And then use everyone's money that they've invested into the company to just scale up. And fulfill the orders. Yes. Okay. (laughs) Um, What's the best advice you've ever received? (laughs) Call the president.
0: So... (laughs) When I first got my, I would say my first mentor showed me that you can call the presidents of other companies because you are the president, you are the CEO of your company. So don't see yourself as just a detailer. You are the president of detailing nights. So you can call the president of your supplier and negotiate better rates for your products. My brain exploded and then melted after that conversation because I did not see myself like that. And that's what I really try to pass on to other youth that I work with, especially those that feel like they don't have options. You can be the president of your life. And once you have deemed yourself that, you can interact with other presidents.
1: List your top two most influential books.
0: I would say the E-Myth, Paranomics was very, I read that, at least a few pages of that every day, trying to figure out how to really structure what I'm learning into helping the Black community. So the eMyth helped me systemize my business, and Paranomics helps me take economics and apply it to the Black community.
1: Tell us something that you think is true about business that most people don't agree with you on.
0: That anybody can be taught entrepreneurship.
1: Uh, we, I've had this debate
0: a lot of times where people feel entrepreneurship is a born gift or leaders are born or you just have to have it or this. But I think that if you follow systems, you can be an entrepreneur and that can be taught.
1: Hmm. Is there any last piece of value you can leave with our listeners?
0: No, Other than, hey, good on you for listening to this podcast. Make sure, use this time to work on your business. I know usually we're busy just doing it, doing it, doing it, and get the book E-Myth and look at how to step back and work on the business and create it in a way that is like you're going to franchise it. Even if you're not going to, everything should be a system.
1: And how can the Purposeful Story family reach out to you and follow you on your journey?
0: The uh, best way I mean, WhatsApp, I'm pretty responsive. So if you take down my phone number, 647-225-3309. If you call, it's going to go to voicemail, leave a detailed message and I'll get back to you or text me or add me to WhatsApp. And also go to the ACBN website. So acbncanada.com. And yeah, find out more about what we're doing. But really just reach out and yeah, interact.
1: All right. Appreciate you coming on the show today, Ryan. My pleasure. Thank you for the invite, Colby. And thank you, Purposeful Story family, for listening to the Purposeful Story podcast. And remember, live every day with purpose so all your actions are clear. Talk soon.
2: That's all for this episode. I hope listening to this podcast left you with valuable information that either strengthened your purpose or helped bring you closer to finding your purpose. We all have a different journey in life. And this podcast is in support of everyone's purposeful journey. Thank you so much for tuning in, because without you, there is no purposeful story podcast. Please feel free to email me at info at iamcobi.com and let me know what you thought of this episode. To help spread the valuable information this podcast has to offer, all I ask is for you to subscribe to the podcast via the Apple Podcast app, Podcast Addict, Google Play Music, or Cast Fox give a rating and pass this podcast on to one friend that you feel could benefit from this information. Don't forget to follow I am Kobe talks on Instagram for updates on new episodes and go to I forward slash purposeful story for more valuable content. Special thanks to DJ Anna for the beats and Lala writes for the editing. Before you go, Please remember that purpose drives your actions and your actions are a result of your purpose. Thanks again for listening. Talk soon.